0: How you doing, Thomas?
1: Um <laughs> I don't know. It's such a bad opening. You're a bad opening. I know. I, know. I made a couple of big i <laughs> made a couple of big live changes. I'm growing a beard. I haven't told you this.
0: I know. You you, you should um are we, we're kinda off on our Snapchat game lately? And oh, yeah, we've been on you know, we had like beard chat going for a long time. Um and so maybe we need to get that going again since you're growing a beard again.
1: Yeah, that's true. Hold on. And I got a new computer, so I'm still getting the audio settings right. I know I'm plastic Okay, that's better. Sorry, everyone. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm like two weeks in. And I've been doing all this reading about beards because I got a lot of free time. And uh, <laughs> right. one of the, <laughs> everyone's like, like, my Twitter people are, are starting to comment. Um, anyway, so I bought this stuff called Beard and Scruff Softener from Cremo. Okay. C-R-E-M-O, link down in the show notes. And it says, it's a uh, softens and, and conditions facial hair of any length or type from the inside out helps soothe beard itch and dryness. And I don't really have like dry hair or anything like that, but uh, I love the description on this and I thought it might be interesting for us. Not that I'm trying to shill a project uh, product that's not mine, but... Uh, it says most conditioners require two to three minutes before rinsing and simply coat the hair with silicone to make it seem softer. Softer. What I, did, I didn't realize, so that sent me down this whole rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> on The internet, when, uh, one Wednesday morning, and I uh, did a lot of research on this stuff. And, and it turns out, like, there's some stuff you can do to your beard to actually make it like grow thicker, which I didn't okay. realize. So, like, so, you know, I thought you kind of set with what you get, right? Regain for your beard, yeah. But silicone builds up and blocks absorption of the truly beneficial ingredients of any product. Instead of silicone, Cremo has powerful moisturizers and beard-specific conditioners that penetrate... Beard-specific conditioners. (laughs) This is getting good. ...that penetrate thick facial hair to soften from the inside out. That's what he said. Giving you those close to you... Giving you and... I'm sorry, those close to you an astonishingly superior feel which you know i'm all about giving those people close to me an astonishing
0: of course feel. of course yeah i mean i just wear Not my be beard normative. i don't
1: have to like rub up against it um, apply a quarter size uh, amounts to your palms apply it to your beard wait 30 seconds rinse use daily or as needed <laughs> or as needed so so i was about this. masturbation or was that just me <laughs> right just yeah. yeah
0: um Sorry. Okay, so I know the I know our audience is dying for a conversation of beard routines, um, but I actually have been making my own beard oil for a while now, a long time now, um, and oh, really like that. And so I just yeah. put that in every day after I get out of the shower, and I wash my beard. Just whatever I do with my hair, I do the same thing on my beard. Oh, so um, you use like shampoo and stuff on your beard? Yeah, I shampoo and condition my hair on my head and on my face too, on my beard. And uh, I've read that that's
1: not <laughs> – I'm just kidding. Don't shave it. I've read that that's not always a, a good thing to do, though, because it can, like, dry, dry out the skin underneath.
0: Right, but then I use beard oil to counteract any potential. And I uh, I, I can assure you I'm not going to have a problem with my skin on my face drying out. Um, I, I, I just tend to think I'm a fairly oily person. I don't really know why. But um, <laughs> all these things that – that our listeners want to hear, right? So, you get this image in your head, right, of people that you hear on radio. And so, I'm just imagining now the image that people have of me if they uh, haven't seen any pictures of me online, right? It's going to be this like white dude with a beard that's oily, and oily, right? With like, you know, clearly, if I've got oily skin, I've got to have, you know, like acne
1: everywhere. Um,
0: well your Twitter yeah.
1: your Twitter avatar is just your initials, so clearly exactly. you're hiding something. There's
0: a reason for that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Now if, if people want to see what Thomas looks like, you can go to thinking.fm. And that's that's the second of our big things. Uh you can yes. go to thinking.fm. Yeah, and, and you can see the a brand new site and a little picture of Thomas. Um I have a, a kind of a stupid picture up now. I'm gonna replace that with a, a recent picture. Um with my facial hair. And um uh, yeah, I love the new site. Everything should work after we post this in terms of being subscribed to iTunes. If you're, if you're listening to this, clearly you found it. Um, <laughs> but we've done all the 301 redirection. And it's, it's a pain because we moved from one platform to a whole nother platform. Right. So this wasn't just like uh, we redesigned the site. And, uh, yeah, so I think it's pretty cool. Because what happened is uh, we had a, a split. I'm just kidding. Uh, Mariana and Elizabeth Kaufman. Mariana Harrelson is my wife. But those are not fans. Uh and they decided to not necessarily leave thinking.fm. But leave for <laughs> They're going well, out on their own. So right. They're getting us the domain, which I like. because yeah. this is now just gonna be ours. And we have to share it with them. Because they're kinda they're kinda needy. So Elizabeth and Mariana are doing their podcast over on minister and mystic dot com. And I'll put a link down in the show notes to that too. And um it's it's a cool show, so basically they've, they've taken thinking out loud and, and kind of spun it into that, which is their their thing and they've created it and I mean I helped them out with the logo and stuff of course, because you know that's what I do but in terms of um, you know their their URL and everything that's that's all them so that's going to be cool so if you go to thinking.fm now we're not competing with another show or another couple of shows. it's just our show and I know you and I have talked about name changes and trying to figure that out but whatever we call this show i think if we just have that domain to kind of represent this that'll be better
0: yeah we're kind of you know streamlining um i guess you know what at one time was like a network of shows um and yeah i, I think it, i think it works well for what we do uh kind of where we are at this stage and the life of Uh, thinking.fm so it's definitely fun i think the new platform is it's nice it's very attractive which is the i think the main thing that uh, our listeners will interact with but yeah everything else should work fine with your players if if not reach out to us we've had some listeners already reaching out to us they had some issues and so um we've worked on that and so we think we've got everything set up now for you um but if you have issues if you just go to the website and you found this, but you. We, you know, it's not pushing through to your player or something. Obviously, let us know that. <clears throat> um, yeah, so, I know, think that
1: it's... was player.fm we had yeah. one issue with, but it looks like it's back up now. And I worked with their team and got that all straight. Um, and if you're on thinking.fm, you can actually see the links for Overcast, Pocket Cast. Um, uh, let's see, uh, 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 yeah. Tune Are you in. looking at it? Yeah, Tune in. Tune Tune in. The, uh, right. uh
0: And then obviously iTunes and Google Play as well.
1: So. Right. so And everything's resolving correctly and, and all this. Um Google Play is a little weird. You might have a problem if you use Google Play for podcasts, which I don't think anyone does. But if you do and you have a problem, let me know. If you're in Japan or Germany, <laughs> which <laughs> there are really a lot of people in the last couple a of shows of have been from Japan. Yeah. It's so strange. Hi, Japan. We're being in Japan, Thomas. Um, <laughs> Japan, Colorado. Like Colorado and uh, what's what's the other state? New York. New York yeah. and Colorado New always York, have a yeah. lot of so, like
0: New York kind of makes sense to me for a number of reasons. But so what I'm thinking though is that you actually need to write a, f- a um like a a, a sequel to uh, your first book. Um, what what was the title? It was uh, what does this? Um, Asia has and, claims upon New England. Asia has claims upon New England, right? Kind of you know what does. Assyria uh, have to do with New England, you know, that kind of what recently to do with Constantinople thing. Um, <laughs>
1: what but I think, Japan like, you have to do one with of those. Yeah,
0: what does, Jer- what does Japan have to do with Colorado?
1: Um, yeah. And we, we get a lot of listens uh, from Germany, too, which makes sense with, yeah. Right. I mean, stuff, I guess. yeah. Well, that. And then, yeah. It's, I'm sure it's because I'm German, right? Definitely. And you know, we're cultural Japan paragons in it. Europe. You know, I mean, right. people are like, well, we need to know something substantive that's coming out of the United States because of Trump. So what can we get? And, they, a lonely nation turns its eyes to us. We're. I'm we gonna gone? guess
0: that's it. Yeah, that's definitely gotta be it.
1: We're <laughs> uh, the right, so, representatives
0: of the U.S. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And also on that Thinking.fm page, there's a very easy way to to go straight from the site to Patreon, which I, I don't want to chill, but yeah, you know, as George Bush once said, just send us your cash. Um, <laughs> We, we do a lot of hard work on this thing, and it would be awesome if I could tell Thomas, "Hey, not only are we getting thousands of downloads, but we're making you know this much money every month on this um, just to to help speed things along because we did miss a week last week for a couple of reasons, which I'm going to talk about next, and uh, you know it, it would incentivate that's not a word it would incentivize <laughs> incentivate I need to dot com that that's a billion dollar business it would incentivize incentivate the place where innovation happens uh it would incentivize us to um you know not not skip weeks or not miss a week no matter what happens you know health job stuff whatever um so patreon give us some money or paypal you can do that too there's ways or Or you
0: you know write an old fashioned check or (laughs) put it in the mail (laughs) yeah
1: yeah, put it in email uh, or or send me a tweet send me a DM and ask what yeah. my address is and I'll, I'll give you sure our pay or company something address like that. Yeah.
0: yeah we're definitely going to give I'm our addresses that, out that. over DM to random people that we don't <laughs> you don't do
1: that I give yours out yeah she was cute I mean she was from North Carolina no I'm sorry it was Anthony <laughs> Weiner uh, so <laughs> too soon hashtag cost the election um, and I left my working for the man every night and day job which is is big news for for me personally, um, and and for the show because I've I've got kind of time to do things like overhaul the site now. But I'm going back to Harrelson Agency, and I'm going back to kind of that side of of uh, agency life. Which it doesn't sound like a big deal, but in the sort of in the marketing world, you either work for a company and you're kind of on the inside doing marketing, or you work for an agency and you have a number of clients. And you work on things that way. So I've always worked on the agency side. I never worked inside of a company doing marketing. And I thought, well, you know, it'll be a good experience. And I kind of did what I wanted to do on the agency side. And worked for a lot of big companies. And I worked for, you know, big tech companies, whatever. And it went really well and had fun. And I started my own thing. And that was awesome and did well. But I kind of want the, the 9 to 5 experience. So I did that. And it was it was there, but <laughs> uh, was I, I just <laughs> I really missed uh, I missed those relationships you know being able to um, to work with you know uh, a number of clients but also work closely with clients in terms of you know talking about hey what's your what's your aspirations what's your dream what do you want to do in life and uh, you know kind of kind of combining everything I know and am and, and not having to sort of say, well, we don't really offer that. And this is the type of marketing that we do inside of the structure and that's that but anyway I I have a deep abiding love for the farm credit system in my heart and I will never forget them and my heart will go on but um, I'm so excited to be back and it's going really well already so I'm uh, I'm optimistic that this is gonna be the last job last job I ever have so there you go so now also, if you give money to us on Patreon and help support the show, uh, I can convince Thomas to leave his job, and we can do Thinking.fm. You're going to have we'll to give a lot of money to make that happen.
0: <laughs> but if you want high-quality shows, that's going to have so. to happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> this, this five-year-old microphone ain't going to pay for itself, kids. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, you know, I mean, Miller-Watt. yeah, so yeah. There,
0: there's certainly... <clears throat>
1: A freedom, right? Of doing the agency work. Oh God! Well, and so that's the thing. I mean, people talk about spending more time with your family. Yeah, but I've got almost a two-year-old. I've got a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. And the six, and I, I, I'm not going to talk about my kids because it's weird. But my two daughter, oh, my two older kids live with uh, their mother. Um, in Asheville we're, we're divorced, obviously. And my, I was going to say my new wife. <laughs> I can't say current wife. My wife. <laughs> my partner. <laughs> Uh, Mariana and I, she always loves it when I do that. My partner, Marianna, and I, um, you know, live live a couple hours uh, apart. So things like Friday afternoons, because we get them on the weekends. So Friday afternoons became insanely difficult, you know, going to to uh, pick them up. And then, I don't know, like things like that really do kind of weigh on you. And, and just being here, not being around the two-year-old and, and almost two-year-old. And, um, you know, just being able to, to leave the office and, and go – Hanging out with him. And like today, he, or the two year old, God, I'm just giving away so Their social security number is 128. <laughs> right. um, by the way, social security numbers now are weird. Like I was doing some stuff today financially, and, and his social, well, the younger kid's social security number is really, really odd. And I was like, is that real? Anyway, uh, but he wanted to have a tea party today. So we, we went outside and had a cool tea party. And uh, yeah, you don't, you don't get to do that when you're. Right. In a suit and tie at the office, so anyway, I'm excited. It's good. You know, the other thing the agency and, thing allows you to do is
0: to kind of expand your offerings too, right? With whatever that's right, whatever your client needs.
1: <clears throat> um, well, what what type of offering should I expand into, Thomas? So, what so here's suggesting? what I'm
0: here's what I'm thinking of. Just you know, throwing it off the off the top of my head here. I'm really thinking that. We have this background in kind of religion and philosophy and things like that. And so we should really incorporate that into Harrelson Agency, right? So we can start helping people, you know, startup companies and companies that are trying to rebrand and churches and nonprofits really ask the deep philosophical questions about their work right it's going to make it more meaningful um and it's obviously going to make them more money which is the purpose of asking these philosophical questions right
1: so uh, uh, hmm. you think that's a uh, that's a thing like how how do you see that playing into corporate culture like that well
0: it's already starting right uh, to happen in silicon valley um where there's this uh, philosopher uh, andrew Taggart, who is kind of doing this um, as a consultant, and he's basically um, there to ask philosophical questions of people and their startups and their companies, and I guess help
1: them make these decisions.
0: I don't know. It's really so interesting. walks around like, and
1: says like, kind of like Diogenes with Alexander. Like, have you? <laughs> yeah, that's what your I hand, think about. Man? Yeah. Right Have you ever really looked at your hand right, look at that dog let's you know let's think about the dog for a second. <laughs> Consider the dogs of the valley exactly <laughs> That's what Jesus really said. I'm gonna write that one down dot com um, so, why do you think that's important? I mean, Less we live in this, the
0: Greeks um
1: <laughs> we live in this you know terrible capitalistic age that's so far removed from and Socrates, you know, why Why does someone want to read Marcus Aurelius if, if they're, you know, Sergey Brin or, or the head of a bank or something?
0: So, um, initially, I'll be honest, when I came across this, I was like, one, this is kind of crazy. Two, how do I get in on this, right? So, those are kind of my first thoughts. Um, and, and I think it's actually something, it's really easy to look at with skepticism, right? Um, and say this is crazy. This is just, you know, these really stupid Silicon Valley CEOs with more money than they know what to do with. So they're going to pay a philosopher to make them examine their own beliefs when they could just examine their own beliefs. Right. Um, But, you know, actually, as I think about it more, I actually don't think it's that horrible of a practice. And there's a lot of ways in which our current um, kind of obsession with branding and things like that lend themselves quite well to these types of questions. Right. And if you think of Google's motto, do no evil. Now you can question whether they actually live up to that or not. Um, But you think about that, like, I think it's important. Right. Then you have to ask, what is evil? So you can actually have these good, um, but you have this kind of guiding philosophy and then you work through how does what does that actually look like in our lives and in our company and does that affect the things that we invest in does that affect the products that we use does that affect what we pay our workforce etc right um i actually think uh it's not a really bad thing to do for companies to uh, be thinking about these types of questions as opposed to kind of separating out i have my personal life where i have beliefs and i think you know this is what i should do as a good person and I have my work life where I just do the work and you know we get it done and we're just maximizing profit um, and, and and if you want to push past that a little bit and maybe kind of um, push back against the kind of um, I don't know le- neoliberal late capitalist uh, world in which we live, asking some of these questions actually could uh, make companies that, could produce companies that actually, you know, care about maybe the greater good. For instance, instead of just the bottom line, right? So, you know, Twitter shares went up. To, you know, stock on Twitter stock went up today. Everybody was happy because they announced this. Um, you know, they're going to try to do some like live streaming video of twenty four seven, and mm. and then they also announced that their new users are up six percent, and their you know monthly users are up a little bit, even though the revenue's down their stocks are going up and so we have these just kind of really uh artificial um uh benchmarks that we're always trying to meet right and this is i think kind of ridiculous for the tech world uh but for a lot of other places too that we have to always be growing right um that we can't be improving where we are but we need to be constantly bringing in more people because the investors and the advertisers they want their money um but, you know, I so I actually was, you know, thinking about this and kind of skimming back through Marcus Aurelius's med- meditations uh, today. And uh, there's actually a lot that could lend itself quite well to these types of um, discussions. So, for instance, one that I really liked in book six to refrain from imitation is the best revenge, right? Which would like what does that mean you could have a really i think great in-depth conversation in the tech world about what that would look like yeah you, know, you know maybe you need to talk about revenge a little bit too but so you have things like that but then you also have um, let's see there were a couple others in here right so basically um do not the, waste um, what, yeah do not waste what remains of your life and speculating about your neighbors unless with a view to some mutual benefit to wonder what so-and-so is doing and why or what are you saying or thinking or scheming. In a word, anything that, that distracts you from fidelity to the ruler within you means a loss of opportunity for some other task, right? So, you know, you could so easily don't, don't take uh, So exactly. uh,
1: don't covet your neighbor's ox.
0: Exactly. Don't covet your neighbor's ox. And don't <laughs> cover it either with a duvet. Um, <laughs> it's a duvet. It's a duvet. <laughs> I think you're going to hell on a technicality. <laughs> yeah so I, I don't know i mean what do you think like is this
1: completely bonkers well i mean imagine uh having that conversation at facebook about you know don't don't imitate you know when, when you look at what they do with snapchat and right you know, and instagram stores right right or, you know just everything um yeah i mean i i, I mean there's kind of like right
0: for even dying is part of the business of life and there too no more is required of us than to see the moments work well done right so you know try to figure out when's it time to close the doors right so I actually think there's there actually could be a lot of good stuff um, in, in, in kind of asking these kind of deeper using some things like Aurelius or Diogenes or Socrates or whatever as guides to help us uh, get to where probably we know we should go anyway uh, but, but it, it gives people us kind of a good about, to do that
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, my, I guess my big concern would be taking something like, you know, Diogenes or, or, I mean, even Marcus Aurelius or, you know, Octavian or whoever, or Jesus, Buddha, Confucius, and trying to conflate it down into this like 1980s, uh, you know,
0: self-help. Sort of, yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, think you're, I think you're right. I also think like it's going to happen anyway. So, <laughs> so we might as well so We might as well practice. do it,
1: right? it. We could call it the art of the steel. The art of the steel. I like that. Um
0: so I don't but know. I, right? I, I way it's which, like, if it's gonna it's happen kinda, anyway, not just we're we're gonna cash in on it, but you know, maybe we could actually have it be done decently well and not horribly anachronistically. I don't know.
1: Yeah. But it you know, we, we keep hearing this about the liberal arts majors. I, remember, I, I was a religion major, and I, I heard even in the late 90s at my small liberal arts Methodist college, we call ourselves the Harvard of the South, um, I remember hearing like, oh, well, if you major in this, you're still going to have opportunities in business because they want big thinkers, which is not necessarily true. Um, you know, right. <laughs> it's rarely true, right? Yeah. <laughs> Having been on the inside. Unless you're the CEO, right? Then, <laughs> right? And then, yeah, we need another Rockefeller. Or the CPO, the chief... Uh, Policy officer or something? Philosophical officer. Chief philosopher. Oh, well, yeah, there you we go. Well, I mean, we so we have chief information officers now. We have right. chief technology officers. And we, we have even, like, chief ethicists, you know, at right. large, kind of non-Silicon Valley companies. So, I mean, yeah, there's a chance it's going to catch on. My only concern would be that, oh, we're going to write this curriculum where there's a snippet from Jesus and then a snippet from Thomas Jefferson and, you know, it becomes kind of this, uh, you know, Western tradition type.
0: No, you know, yeah, the, I, the I agree with that. Yeah. Thing, yeah. Which, and, so, you know, and actually I would, there's
1: some a merit idea. there, but
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, you could write
1: a curriculum or a book about it. Um, but I don't want to get to you, David Han- David Hanson on it, but you know, there, there is that right. spirit there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think there's some there's some room, especially in this environment, where w- we've we've gotten to this point of, I guess, existentialism 2.0, mm-hmm. because all of a sudden now it's not the nuclear bomb that's going to kill us; it's AI, you know, and the machines are going to take over. And in ten years, forty percent of American jobs are going to be gone, and that's everything from you know people working at malls and and in retail stores to truckers and the only people that are going to be safe are elementary school teachers and the CEOs. Um, and dental You know, hygienists. everything from... Yeah, and dental hygienists, right? Well, I mean, I could see way in the future. Yeah. I mean, I've had some bad dental hygienists. <laughs> uh, I've got eight false teeth. Uh, not related. But I, I could see, you know, I, I mean, I could see that, that kind of response being, well, let's, let's talk about humanity again as, as we become the Borg, and we really do sort of start to, you know... Uh, Really interface with technology in a new and different way that's outside of a keyboard and a monitor. And if all the rumors are are correct about the new iPhone this fall, not to non evergreen the show, but it you know if those rumors are correct, and if someone listening ten years from now is right, then you know hey, how you doing? <laughs> um, if, if the rumors are correct, like AI augmented, uh, not AI, AI too, yeah, artificial intelligence, but AR augmented reality is really going to have a big impact on how people interface with with the next iPhone um, we've already seen that with things like Pokemon go uh, Facebook just had their developer conference earlier this or last week, and a lot of the talk was about facebook places and and some of the new uh, augmented reality and artificial intelligence and virtual reality but that's that's kind of still developing stuff that's coming so I, I think there's I think there is going to be kind of a a, a swing back to considering the, you know, the yeah. li- lilies of the valley or the dogs of the valley. The
0: dogs of the valley, yeah. I, I, I think you're right that, um, I, I think we're actually already seeing this kind of, right? With apples, like today at Apple thing that they're trying to do now, they want to make their Apple stores essentially like a, a market square. Um, we'll see if that actually happens or not, but uh, it, it is kind of this maybe push back to, um, it, 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 it is a very kind of um, modern American moment in in the in the larger moment that we're having of um, you know we're going to make America great again we're kind of hearkening back to these things um, and that's not a bad thing I, I would certainly say you have to expand beyond Aurelius and Diogenes and Plato and you've got to um, read some Rashi and uh, some others as well some you know non Western non white and non um, male
1: Revenge it off to gore, man.
0: <laughs> but I think that this, um, you know, you mentioned like doing a curriculum or something. You can certainly do that or write a book. But I, I actually think it works best uh, in conversation, right? I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's, you're, you're joking about Diogenes. And, you know, you think about like um, Plato and uh, the Symposia where the best place for these types of conversations are or the best ways that you kind of get to these places is through uh, conversation that's intentional, uh, but that's relaxed, that uh, often involves wine or spirits. I'm just going to go ahead and say, right? You have a symposium, or there are um, some. We've had some folks here uh, where I live, we've started a little salon um, for the same reason, right? Have these deep discussions that, you know, carve out time specifically for that. And of course, there's always going to be uh, spirits and wine involved because that just helps the conversation flow freely, and um, Plato would approve. But I actually think that that's how you, right? You have to kind of push the back and forth, right? Like like you would have in a philosophy class, like right? Yeah, just um, just no pederasty. Yeah, um, we're <laughs> probably not going to have any pederasty. I'm so, just saying. <laughs> Talk about the symposiums. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't know. I mean, so my my kind of initial reaction to this idea was that's that's ridiculous. But as I think about it more, I actually don't think it's a bad thing if we have particularly large companies that that do have uh, such a control over so many people's lives or such an impact on so many people's lives, um, asking kind of some of these deep questions about, you know, what guiding principles do we have as a company that are beyond the bottom line?
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if it plays out.
0: The question is, can you and I... um, Single, or would that be double-handedly? uh Can we take down neoliberal late capitalism? That's the question.
1: <laughs> well, you know, people still talk about Diogenes. They don't talk about, you know, the the shopkeeper who had the most bread sales in Rome, or in this case, Athens, you know, in two hundred fifty BC. E.
0: Yeah, that's true. And so we just
1: pray that our tweets survive and. Write them down. Yeah. Print them out. You print them out every month. That's what I do. Use an IFTTT thing to connect your tweets to Evernote and then print out all your Evernotes when you – like like wear a Fitbit thing. And then when your heart stops beating, use your IFTTT yeah. thing
0: to <laughs> – Automatically print. print all of your Evernote <laughs> notes. That's awesome. Just so I case. actually do have – I do have my Twitter And like all my social media, my my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram, they're all tied to Evernote through If This Then That (IFTTT), and um, so everything actually gets saved in there. Because if you like try to look at old tweets, for instance, there there's a there's a limit of how far back you can go. And if you've been on Twitter as long as Sam and I have, um, Sam's been on since what like 2008. I think you got me on about six. I was in there. It was today, okay. I like it so I think you got me on it um, in maybe 2000, 2008, 2009, something like that. So you can't go back to your first tweets um, mm-hmm. that way. So, um, yeah, I actually think I've been doing that. I've had that set up for years now, have all my tweets feed into Evernote so that um, I can search that way and everything. It's, it's really great. But I feel like you're uh, in the Library of Congress. Yeah, I am. That's that's kind of the point, right? You're building a library. I'm trying to build a library here, a digital one and a physical one. Um, <laughs> so we've had a rule that no new books should come in, but I I only break that occasionally. So you
1: have a rule that no new books can come in.
0: Well, no, uh, we have a, a there is a rule: no more bookcases. Like in this uh, particular abode we where we live. Like them, whenever yeah. we whenever we move, there will be more bookcases. I'm confident because there are too many books for the bookcases we have so <laughs>
1: just yeah yeah we, we just got a couple from the, the same ones that you have from ikea yeah you know that we had we uh went up and got a couple of new ones what are, you, suck, what are you reading well.
0: yeah what I re- so I, I just finished um a little while ago um
1: let's put this in the show notes so we can make some affiliate money off of it
0: yeah a- anti-fragile
1: what is Which
0: is um, – so Anti-Fragile is this book by um, – <clears throat> oh, what's his name? I can't think of it right now. What's uh, yeah. really good of me? Donald right? Trump. Um, you no, know, it's Nassim Taleb, and he he's the guy that wrote Black Swan and another one. This is kind of a trilogy in that. I he did Black Swan the The subtitle is "Things that Gain from Disorder," and it's 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 interesting and it's thought provoking. And um, you only have to read about two pages to develop an opinion of Taleb himself, um, and that opinion will be right and it will stay for the rest of the book, I would imagine. But um, it's really interesting, right? So, kind of his idea is that. Um, we have things that are fragile and then we talk about things that are robust, but the, and something that's fragile is something that like any kind of change is bad for it. And so he's making the argument that there are things that are anti-fragile that any kind of change actually strengthens it. And like, here's how you can kind of make your life, your life anti-fragile make decisions that are anti-fragile and stuff like that. And it's um, at the end of the day, I, I, I kind of came around after a few discussions with some others about the book. I um, actually, made completely disagree with his entire, uh, <laughs> assertion, his entire, uh, thesis. But it was an interesting book. The next one I'm reading, which I haven't started yet, but I'll start this week or next week is, um, after nature, uh, a politics for the Anthropocene by Jedediah Purdy.
1: <laughs> uh, that's nature.
0: the next one that I'm going to, that I'm going to start after nature, A uh, politics for the Anthropocene by Jedediah Purdy. So, um, We'll Jet see, I've I uh, uh, have not um have not cracked this one yet, but I've got uh, picked it up from our nice local indie bookstore here. Um and have their nice uh, bookmark in it and I'm planning to I'm going out of town in the end of next week, so take that with me and probably read it while I'm out of town.
1: Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think we have any I'm probably gonna get hate mail about this thomas at thomaswhitley.com um i don't have any good used bookstores here in columbia i keep trying to find them because we had so many in Asheville.
0: now okay so good used bookstores in tallahassee um i would say that might actually be difficult to come by there is one it's close to campus and you know the the um the old metal buildings that are kind of um, rounded like ovals essentially they look like old hangers or something it's a couple of those together and it's semi-organized but it's a place you can go in and spend an afternoon at huh. least um and so it's it's nice um it's you know hit or miss but it's it's definitely like if you want to go get some classics uh or if you want to go just browse the shelf and pick up something you never would have picked up. It's pretty good for that. Uh, we have a one of the um, Goodwill bookstores, uh, really like two blocks from where I live. And it's actually a pretty good bookstore. But this one, um, it's not a used bookstore, but it's a Midtown Reader uh, is the name of it. And it's it's just a really great bookstore. The, the lady who runs it is great. She's a member of our church, and she actually... Uh, I guess if you look it up, if you look at Midtown Reader, you'll be able to figure out who owns it. Um,
1: Don't be creepy. What do you mean? Then she said it was a couple of blocks from your house.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. That one—that one's maybe eight blocks from my house. So stop. (laughs) But you won't. People listen to this. I know. I know. (laughs) But you won't know which direction to go. Enhance, enhance. (laughs) No, but um, but uh, Sally Bradshaw, who was Jeb Bush's. What, chief of staff, campaign manager, et cetera, all of that. Um, she, she started it and just really great and just a fantastic uh, bookstore do a lot of great uh, community events and things like that as well. So we're really happy um, with that because we didn't have a really good, um, kind of indie bookstore, right? We've got a couple of big box yeah. bookstores, but, um, so now, I mean, I try to buy everything from her or, you know, have her order it. Um, Uh, Instead of ordering my books on Amazon, which is tough for me because it's what I was used to doing for a really long time. Um, My Amazon book budget was, well, particularly when I was, you know, still working on my PhD, um, was rather large (laughs) every year.
1: But it's a little smaller now. Um, But, yeah, you know, hashtag shop local. (laughs) You can write it off. Um, I'm reading a couple of old books because my two-year-old pulled them off the shelf the other day. And I was like, oh, I need to reread this. And I didn't really finish reading. So the first one is The Ways That Never Parted. Yeah, by, is that Annette read? No, it's Adam H. Becker, Annette Yoshiko. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, It's Annette, Annette Reed. Reed. I was like, Annette and, Reed. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And, uh, I, I've read like, I don't know, three or four of the, of the, uh, pieces inside of it. Especially, yeah, I that did read Annette Reads. Um, which is just kind of the introduction but Paula Friedrichson has a piece and um andrew jacobs martin goodman speaking of goodman um let's see if anybody else yeah it, yeah this is one i read that i really liked, and i read uh jewish cre- jewish christianity after the parting of the ways approaches to historiography and self-definition in the uh, Pseudo-Clementines, which is good
0: which is a really yeah it's a really good piece and it's a, I mean I think the 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 um the kind of larger thesis there is is really interesting um, right because you the the consensus for a long time was that you had you know what was called the parting of the ways and that was that uh, essentially at what like Yavna or something in 90 or Jamnia yep. or however you, you know, the, either the Hebrew or a <laughs> yeah. Greek pronunciation, um that like that's kind of where the the like Pharisees, you know, came together. Where, okay. We're going to have like rabbinic Judaism now. And like, we're no longer with these Christians and we're completely different, but you get to the Pseudo-Clementines and the fourth century, which is um, my advisor, Nicole Kelly wrote her dissertation on the Pseudo-Clementines. Um, and she right. would okay. advise. Everybody that would listen to her not to write a dissertation on the city Clementines. But (laughs) she wrote wrote a really good dissertation, unsurprisingly. But um, you get to the fourth century and you have these groups that we call like Jewish Christian, quote unquote. Um, That's probably not the best term. But the point is, and kind of the the point that Annette Reed makes there and and some others make is these identities are not as clearly demarcated as um, people would like to believe. So even into the fourth century, uh, even later, you have um, these people that look like um, they maybe call themselves Christians, but they're doing a lot of things that maybe Jews do. And so you have to kind of uh, begin to ask these questions about, well, who are they and how do they you know, identify? And isn't it Chrysostom, right, that in his, you know, a couple of his sermons complains about like people going to synagogue and then coming to church, and he's like, "I yep. can't do that, right?" And it's right. right so, the, so there weren't these kind of clear delineations uh, in the ancient world that we like to think there were. Um, and so that that yeah, that's a great one to uh, pick back up.
1: Yeah, because I, I, I realized I you know kind of poked through a couple of the articles, and you know they're they're dense, and it's it's an academic book, but it's it's really interesting. Um, there's one by uh, Becker who's also one of the editors beyond the spatial and temporal lines, questioning the parting of the ways outside of the Roman empire, which to me is appealing because of Durya right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you think about like the hype, what is it? Hype uh, over in, in, Asia Minor, um, you know, who, who were, you know, maybe the God fearers in, in that part of, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, the situation. I mean, that's, that's a completely overgeneralizing it, of course, but, um, you know, you you think about that and, and the idea that y- there were these kind of pseudo monotheists who were operating outside of or maybe around what, you know, what was kind of like mainstream Judaism. Um, you know, Paul shows up and he's like, hey, you know, you can be you can kind of be Jewish and you can kind of do this and it's all cool. And all you have to do is, you know, not eat meat off of a living animal and follow the Noah laws and, and you're all set. And everyone's like, yay! So, I don't know. I've been really back into my historical, critical, terrible nineteenth, twentieth century world. Yeah. So that that's a fun book to read. Just I, I don't know. I've had so many conversations about um, origins of Christianity and that kind of thing lately with people in church and people you know in the periphery of my life. And um, not not that church is something, and not both in. And so, anyway, books like that have been appealing to me lately. And the other one I'm reading, which is a terrible book, but it's it's fun, is <laughs> something I bought like back when was this published? You're gonna laugh, but I still like him. This is published in 2007, so 10 years ago. It's uh, <laughs> John Don- John Dominic Crossan, uh, yeah. God and yeah. Empire. Yeah. Did you have you ever read this? Um, I think I've read snippets out of that one. Um, it's. it's- you know, it's got the thing on the back by John Shelby Spong. So you've got that framing yeah. it.
0: But, I mean, it's, that's Crossan. I mean, that, that's Crossan. Crossan's yeah. yeah. got a lot of good actually,
1: stuff. Yeah, I actually bought it. Uh, Crossan came and spoke here in Columbia. Um, this was before the time that... did. No, you and I saw... Um, what's her name? My professor at Yale. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, my advisor's wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> oh, good. good job. I don't know. This is not going well. I can't uh, think of it. John uh, uh, Adelia Adele Yarbrough uh, um, Collins. I'm sorry. Yeah, John Collins was my advisor. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> That's okay. negative one hundred. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love you, John Collins. You, you really did. You really did change my life. Right. Clearly. Adele Yarbrough Collins, whose whose class on Revelation at Yale also changed my life, I and mean, it was an amazing class. And there was, she asked this one question, and I knew the answer. And, and I raised my hand. It was a really obscure question about like this first century sect or something like that. I completely forgot the name. So anyway, in, in the middle of class, I'm like, I know this. And you know, I raised my hand. I was like, I'm so-and-so. And she was like, yeah, it's very good. What's your name? And I was like, Sam. And she was like, thank you, Sam. And moved on. I was like, ah, my, my life is over. Complete <laughs> Done. It's, I can die a happy man. No. Um, no, so I really like. Yeah, um, it's it's a it's a fun. I'm only like 20 pages in. I just started. Yeah. And Crossan's big book.
0: Jesus book. He's got that chapter about like the dogs at the foot of the cross, which is oh, I love that. Book. Just a great. I'm yeah, sorry. It's just great. Yeah, so it's a fun um, book. It is fun. Yeah. Exactly. No, I like Crossing. I like Crossing
1: like Crossin a lot. Um. That's yeah. Good. So that's he, good. he came and spoke here in Columbia, and did um. I, I was actually uh, doing adjunct stuff, um, at the university here, in South Carolina. And, um, he became and spoke, and, and I got to meet him and go behind stage and stuff. And, you know, he wrote a little, little signature in my book. So I was like, Oh, I think he actually, they actually gave me this one. I don't think I actually bought it. So yeah, Ben pulled, oh geez, my, uh, my dog child, <laughs> my, my child pulled this off the uh, shelf the other day and I was like, Oh yeah, I need to read that. I actually never read it, because I was like, "Oh, it's crossing," and I'm too good for that. But it, it's—I no, yeah, don't I think, think it's, it's a bad Too
0: good for Crossan.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know, uh, but but don't tweet that because then you're gonna get you're gonna get attacked by the academic religious folks, you know, McBacon and those people. Like Make They do I mean, I mean, if it's, <laughs> don't I don't mean, like if it's not Carl it. Bart, like, is it really worth reading? I know. <laughs> I know. It's like we, I'm gonna give you a, a, a 20 tweet storm thing about Bart meeting. Oh. Uh, uh, who did he meet? What was I don't the? Know.
0: I am decidedly not a Bart scholar, so know. <laughs>
1: <yeah. laughs> anyway, I saw something today about Mick Bacon, where he was going back and forth with someone because Bart had met some. I don't know, it's too late in the day. Anyway, uh, two, two theologians, and uh, y- you can tweet us on that. It was someone kind of important. No, I'm just kidding. I know who it is. I'm joking. Um, Hapsistarians. Yeah. Manichaeans. What do we not know? Someone, someone asked. Okay, so we're in Sunday school, and this is the first Sunday I haven't taught in a while, and um, we're talking about the Trinity (laughs) in thirty minutes. Thirty-three minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, uh, someone said, you know, like, wouldn't it? Well, Sam, do you do you think? you know, we'll ever get to the point where we, we can uncover some of these lost books. Like, how many more things are in the dirt, basically? And, I, I was like, well, you know, uh, let me give the convoluted response, and, you know, in a short, like, yeah, we're, we're finding stuff all the time. We just found two, two new, you know, papyruses from Oxyr- uh, Oxyrhynchus. Yeah. Ox- I can never say this.
0: Oxyrhynchus. Did I say it right? Yeah.
1: Know, Oxyrhynchus.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: I can read it. Um, but, you know, but, I kind of gave an allusion to, well, you know, what if there actually isn't an original Gospel of Matthew? And, you know, I could see kind of the wheel starting to spin. And I was like, well, let's stall that back. And <laughs> because we were all wrapping up. And I knew that was going to be a whole other conversation. But I don't know. That's something I always think about. Like, what, what if tomorrow, if tomorrow's the day when either Twitter releases a, a direct messaging app or we find. A second century copy of Mark. Either one of those will change the world forever. I, you know, like, that would be kind of <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, no, I we agree. Find, like, I mean, ba- wait, is it Papias or Papias? How do you say his name? P-A-P-I-A-S. Um, second century I, writer.
0: Yeah, I would say Papias, I guess. I,
1: yeah, I would say, say Papias. Papias.
0: Yeah, there's no, like, long A like I that, that agree, in Greek. No, right? the A so, is long. There's
1: no pay, Well, he yeah. was from, like...
0: Oh, it could be an yeah, A-D-A. Right there's an Ada, but there's but Alpha is not a long A. Anyway, I mean, I think the thing is like we're we're finding a lot of these texts, but they're not, they're often not uh, filtering down to kind of the person in the pew, so to speak, right? Yeah. We had the Gospel of Judas that came out what two thousand nine or so. I mean, huge blockbuster. Yeah, there were popular books about it. There were National Geographic, uh, National Geographic and stuff like that, and and I I think you know is it was huge and kind of. Fundamental to understanding at least how some early Christians under, were kind of grasp you know, grappling with the figure of Judas, um, and I mean, I, I would imagine uh, even in my church that's that's uh, rather well educated has a number of people that you know have advanced degrees that the people that don't have religion degrees uh, would probably never have heard of the Gospel of
1: Judas, so. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, people and, have heard of like, like the, the Dead Sea Scrolls.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Generally. I mean, a, a few, yeah. A few. you know, and, and I'd, I'd say half of that has sort of Nakamati. Right. And then some have heard Which of Octarinkus, you know, and, uh, yeah. or even the Elephantine uh, stuff.
0: I don't but, think anybody's heard of Elephantine. <laughs> um,
1: Elephantine, sorry.
0: No, it's right. It's, yeah.
1: whatever. You just I, have I to say it,
0: just pick a pronunciation and just say it with confidence. And that's true. Everybody will assume that you're right. Um, but it's funny, actually. Aurelius Marcus Aurelius actually has a bit in his, um, in his meditations. It's great where he talks about. Like, don't just correct somebody. Uh, This is great. Okay. Uh, People should not be sharply corrected for bad grammar, provincialisms, or mispronunciation. It's better to suggest the proper expression by tactfully introducing it oneself and say one's reply to a question or one's acquiescence in their sentiments or into a friendly discussion of the topic itself. Not of the diction or by some other suitable form of reminder, which is just like brilliant because that's uh, that is um, my practice uh, that I got from Aurelius, But I forgot that it was like in it's like really early on in his uh meditation so that's what i was just doing to you i was i was not calling you out on your uh, mispronunciation i was just uh, offering the appropriate pronunciation uh, in my reply to uh, your comment and this is just just kind of a great example of how marcus aurelius can help us as we try to figure out um (laughs) you know what what should thinking.fm be
1: well, you know, in, in podcasting, when you have a, a two-person show, you always have a smart guy and, and the, the comedic foil or the dumb guy, right? Is that what we have? I I play into that sometimes just yeah, to make you feel better yeah, about yourself. Pretty, yeah, pretty much. So, you know, so it's like I'm interviewing you to get secrets out of you. And then I'm like, I, I know this shit. I know, I know what he's going to say, but. Well, let's make it because I, I know McKay is listening, and and if I say something wrong about Carl Bart or Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's going to jump on me. See, I know, I know who I'm talking about. Um, but it, you know, it's it's fun to to lift the fourth wall down here and, and say uh, it's it, you know it's fun to play the foil. No, honestly, I have I have no idea how to say elephantine. Elephantine, really? You say elephantine? Is that the proper pronunciation? So if I go to A L S B R C I A, like they say elephantine. Well, it depends. Well, they would not because most people there we don't just came work up with on. That.
0: But, but the people that do, um, I, I think you would say like it's an Elephantine papyrus, like something that you found from there. But I think you would pronounce the city as Elephantine.
1: Oh, makes sense. But Donald I mean, Trump just tweeted: Democrats are trying to bail out insurance companies from disastrous Obamacare and Puerto Rico with your tax dollars. Sad. Sad. What? <laughs> Tell <Don't> somebody. <send> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm not looking at Twitter. Um. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So, see, I, I've learned something on this show, elephantine. Yeah,
0: but somebody will probably come back and be like, "No, Thomas is an idiot. It's elephantine." But- Candida,
1: I want you to. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, and we we got we got uh, we we get noticed when when Sam mispronounces things. Yes. Um, the I mean, do you, I don't know. Do you think if we found something? revolutionary like the Gospel of Judas that it would have any impact at all on kind of the current American landscape do you, I mean do you think people are looking for the next Dead Sea Scrolls or, or Nakamani well certainly or would yeah, it would be kind were of looking something for that it. people well I mean I, I know you know, but you've not got- like,
0: but average people aren't like expecting it or hoping for it or something like that. Uh, but I will right. say I mean, this kind of naturally I think leads into a discussion of canonization and do you have a closed canon or an open canon, et cetera. And I, yep. I would always argue in my classes that we have an open canon. That just because it hasn't been adjusted, like in maybe our lifetimes, doesn't mean the canon's not open. If you look at like the King James Bible had the apocrypha in it until uh, the mid 1800s when. Basically, the main publisher said, I'm not going to, you know, fund this publication anymore if you don't take unless you take it out. And so they said, "Okay, we'll take it out. Right. So money, it's always about money and power, Um, but money rules. But so we had the I mean, the the Protestant canon was changed. The King James Bible was changed uh, rather recently, kind of in the history of of these things. So I think that, you know, there was a big push to have Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail added uh, to the New Testament, which wouldn't to, to uh, which New would, Testament. well to you know kind of the general Protestant New Testament um, you know uh, and I wouldn't have a problem with that at all so um, yeah it, it would create this huge you know outcry and people would say you can't mess with God's word no, and mean, all that stuff people, but people
1: I mean, would like be marching out the Christ. streets yeah especially if you added Martin Luther King Jr. to the New Testament I mean yeah. it, it's well, hard enough to read the NRSV in, in some Bible in some churches yeah like our church, where the the voice reigns. But can you? I don't know. I, I think I think the canon is closed for American no. Christianity. No. I mean, I know I know it's going to change. I'm saying for this for the current state in our lifetimes, until something radical happens. I don't think we're going to uncover the Gospel of, you know, uh, James or something, and all of a sudden we get a rewriting. But that's what I'm saying. I think in in this current era maybe the next five, 10, 20 years, however long this thing lasts. Even if we found something revolutionary, it wouldn't be that big of a deal because we're finding amazing new things every day. Like, and Calidius can maybe sustain life and, you know, Titan can maybe, uh, you know, have some, uh, uh, organic compounds on it. Yeah. I saw it on Facebook a couple of days ago. That's cool. But did you hear about, you know, the the latest new way to shed five pounds by, you know, eating this parasite?
0: You know, yeah, I, mean, I, like I do think that, yeah, these, these types of changes, um, they take longer to
1: occur, for sure. Um, it, it just yeah. seems like the public is, is less interested in Revelation, pertaining to, like, historical Revelation.
0: Yeah, but I also think, like...
1: I'm an old man, I know. I, well, I there's sound there's old man, right? yeah. Know.
0: But w- our perception of what it may have been like in the past is skewed because we are all that survives are the writings of wealthy men for the most part. Right. And so we're reading the conversations of people like me and you and the people who like went to school for this and we care about this and we think about this type stuff all the time. And we're not reading the conversations of the everyday person who's just like, you know, going and uh, fishing and going and making tents and going and selling bread. Right. Um, do they care about no, no, all I of these we arguments, you know, and Nicaea and uh, Chalcedon and stuff? No, not at all, I don't think. Right, Chalcedon? There you go again. Is it
1: Chalcedon or Chalcedon?
0: Well, I always say, yeah, well, oh. uh, I say, Chal- yeah, Chalcedon. I don't no. know. You yeah. say Chalcedon? Yeah.
1: No, it's it's Chalcedon. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> but, <laughs> Call us out,
0: anyway, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so, like, we have this... Um, I don't know. I don't know that things are so much different now than maybe they were in the past, but, um, we just, we only, ha- all that we have that survives from the past are, uh, the <clears> writings of kind of, you know, wealthy men that cared about these things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: And so because of that, everybody should go read, um, uh, uh a fantastic book by Constantine Fasol called the limits of history. And,
1: um, link in the show notes Amazon link if you don't give us money just click on it buy it there it helps thanks
0: and then uh, another great one by a Haitian author uh, Michel Rolf-Truyot, uh, called Silencing the Past uh, both fantastic books if you're interested in um, how do we do this thing called history and how difficult it is and so Constantine Fassol, uh his book Limits of History kind of says like here are the limits to doing history and here's kind of how this project is Essentially, I don't know, like doom from the start. It's a really great book, but, and then, um, in Troyot's book, on in the past, he kind of uh, looks specifically at like Haitian stuff and, um, does a really great job of showing you how the, the choices that get made, the little choices that get made affect the history that gets written. Right. So the choices of, um, What gets preserved and what doesn't? What makes it to the archive and what doesn't? What's deemed a a credible or reliable source and what's not? Those type things affect the history that we write. Uh, So if you're you're interested in the kind of project of doing history, those are are really great um, books to check out.
1: Projects of doing history. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, put them in the two notes. Um, All right. What else you got?
0: That's all I got, man. <laughs> no, I got a hundred other things, but we don't have time for anything else. Yeah, I'm um, joking. I know, you know, we've got all this stuff from uh, the last show. Um, it was really great, by the way. It's easier to say when nobody can listen to it
1: because it didn't make it out. But <laughs> if you give us <laughs> money, we'll, we'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah. We have all yeah. these like little clips. Um, we're we gonna have, do that one day. We're, yeah. we're gonna put them all together because we—I've got a bunch of like fifteen, five, thirty-minute clips that I, and I do save them um, from shows like last week because we we actually did do a show, even though I was recovering from leaving my former position, and uh, we we did like a show and then we had a bunch of. Uh, uh, technical errors which were all my fault because of this new computer but now we're we're back in the saddle and uh anyway so yeah maybe i don't know special fourth of july or you know something like that when we just can't do a show i'll i'll throw those all together and um make like a a fun special two three hour show of us just laughing and cursing and yeah kind of
0: like a best of
1: yeah, or behind the scenes, like an after hours, scenes, yeah, after hours type we'll, show. we'll make it like, you know, rated R or something. Cause we did frequently. that
0: for a little bit. Remember, like, when we were doing the shows live, um, do like pre-show and post-show stuff live. Yeah. And yeah, so, no, that's you know, I have some like of special special of people really could really kind does. of get in, get in on the stuff. And that really is where most of the interesting stuff happens anyway. <laughs>
1: so. uh, well, you know what we need to do? We, we just need to start the, the, the podcast when, when I start the call. You started the call, yeah,
0: and but but the thing is, like once you once we hit record, right? It's like you were saying earlier, like you gotta you, we gotta play like Alex Jones, right? We gotta get into
1: character. Yeah, we do act, and then we we hang up. Like I, I well I hit stop recording, and then we we talk for another hour, yeah. about our lives, and and it's it's real and it's us.
0: Yeah, but that'll cost you. So. <laughs> But I'll tell you what you can get a, you can get a good glimpse um, into our lives uh, by following us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Sam at Sam Harrelson. You can follow me at Thomas Whitley, and you can always find more great podcasts at Thinking.fm.
1: Just one, just one podcast, just our podcast, but lots of episodes. Right, but it's like multiple shows of our podcast. Yeah, I thought about this today. When I was like, um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to change Thomas's uh, inline. Not that he listens to the show.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. Know, but you well, you we can't just change that it. And I would you could you could edit mine out and put yours in, and I would never
1: know. Yeah, well, no, I, I mean, I do all kind of fun things you never listen to. But, yeah, and that's, why, that's why we have so many listeners, because people tune in for the, for the Thomas rants on uh, sexism and how to, how to be a white supremacist and stuff. Yeah, and stuff. <laughs>
0: okay. Hashtag and stuff.